This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We've been teaching for the last number of weeks a, a series that we've entitled Steps to Answered Prayer. We've taught this series many times before. We'll teach it many more times in the future. Uh, the reason we teach it so much is because it's important for you to know how to get your prayers answered. John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus is speaking to His disciples and therefore He's speaking to us. And He said, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you. First thing He did was make a qualification. He said, if you meet this criteria, if you abide in Me, that's relationship. And if My words abide in you, that means knowledge of the Word. Then, here's the result. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Notice that it does not say you'll ask what God wills. Now, some people will stop right there and say, well, but Pastor Mike, you can't possibly be saying that we should pray out of the will of God. Folks, if the Word of God's abiding in you, you can't pray out of the will of God. Because God's Word is His will. You ever been to the reading of uh, uh, the last will and testament of someone? It starts off just that way. This is the last will and testament of so-and-so. Now, after the reading of the will, the whole purpose of it is to identify what was the intent or the will of the individual regarding the disposition of their assets. Who would ever come out of the last, the reading of the last will and testament of someone and say, well, we heard the words, but that really isn't what they wanted. That's not the way it works. The will identifies what they wanted. God's word identifies what he wants. That's why Jesus made the, the, the qualification. That's why he made the criteria. If you abide in me. Folks, I want you to understand something. Prayer that receives from God belongs to his children, not the world. God shows his mercy to the world, but God gives to his children. So that's why he said the first thing is, is relationship. If you abide in me, number one. And number two, if my word abides in you. Another translation says, if my word lives on in you. I like that. If my word lives on in you. He's not talking about it, and if you ever read the Bible once. No, he's talking about living according to the word. He's talking about letting the word of God be alive on the inside of you. He said, and if my word abides in you, then you'll ask what you will. Why? Because you've already found the basis. You know what God's will is because you've found the word. So he says, then you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now notice verse 8 is associated with this too. It says, herein is my Father glorified. Now, you'll hear a lot of things in the church world about glorifying God, and a lot of people will talk about we glorify God in sickness and glorify God in trouble and stuff like that. And, you know, people come up with all kinds of weird ideas about things like that. If you study the four Gospels, you'll find out more people glorifying Jesus after they got healed than while they were healed, or while they were sick, rather. In other words, it's the bringing of the result that brought God glory. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying herein, meaning answered prayer, is my Father glorified. God gets glory when you get answers to your prayer. Now, notice he's just talking about one type of prayer. He's talking about the kind of prayer where you receive something from God for yourself, the kind of prayer where the Word of God is abiding in you, and that's the basis for your desires or your, your requests. But so many times people take the attitude that, well, whatever God wants in life is the way it's going to be. You can't come and say, Lord, just whatever your will is. That'd be like uh, somebody sending, uh, going to the grocery store and walking around and, and just saying, well, uh, you know, I'm just here for groceries. After a while, you know, a couple of hours, maybe somebody comes by and says, can we help you? No, I just want some groceries. With the idea that whatever the will of God is, those groceries will be right there. Well, after a while, they'll come get you. But right on the other hand, you can send a small kid to the grocery store and say, go get a loaf of bread and a half gallon of milk. 
And a kid who knows how to be specific, who knows what he's going for, can get the things that he needs, even though he's young. Same thing's true where prayer is concerned, folks. If you know what the will of God is, in other words, if you know what the Word of God says, then you can ask and expect to receive. And that's what brings God glory. So we're talking about steps to answered prayer. Step number one is decide what you want from God. Be specific in prayer. Be specific in prayer. Now, how are you going to decide? Well, find the scriptures that promise you the things that you want. And get those scriptures down on the inside of you. Get those scriptures in your heart and not just in your head. Meditate on those scriptures and be ready to use them against the devil. Because he will come against you. Where your prayer life is concerned, he will come against you. So find what the Bible says. Find scriptures that promise you the things that you want from God. Find those scriptures. Get the things that, that the Bible says belongs to you. You know, there's a scripture Jesus said in, um, in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 5. He says, your heavenly father knows what things you have need of. But then it goes on to say, before you ask him. I want you to understand, folks, God doesn't answer prayer based on need. He knows what you have need of, but he still expects you to ask him. He knows what things you have need of before you ask him. God expects you to ask. Well, how are we going to know what to ask for? That's where the word comes in. Find what the word says is yours. Find scriptures that promise you the things that you want from God. Now, step number two, once you do that and you get those scriptures down on the inside of you, step number two is very simple, and that is ask God for the things that you want, and when you pray, while you're in prayer, believe that you receive them. In other words, believe God hears you and answers you. Now, that goes to Mark 11, chapter 24. We looked at that some weeks ago. Jesus said in talking about how faith works, verse 23, he talked about the principle of faith. Believe in your heart and say with your mouth. Verse 24, he said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Again, he's talking about your desires. What things soever you desire when you pray. So he's talking about prayer. When you pray for your desires, when you pray, believe that you receive them, the things that you desire, and you shall have them. In other words, it's when you pray, you've got to believe that God hears and answers. God doesn't answer you when you see the results. God answers you when you pray. Why? Because his word has, you found the word that promises the things you want. You found God's will on the subject. So now you've prayed. What do we do next? Step number three, keep your heart from doubt. You've got to keep your heart from doubt. That was the, the, the qualification that Jesus made about this principle of faith. In Mark eleven twenty three. he said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Here's the qualifier, and shall not doubt in his heart. Now, folks, we looked at this and spent a couple of weeks on it, but very simply, doubting in your heart is identified by the words that you say. In other words, there's a difference between doubt in your head and doubt in your heart. The difference is the words that comes out of your mouth. Every one of us have had successes in receiving from God faith victories with doubts in our mind. How do you keep that from becoming doubt in your heart? Don't say the thoughts that come. So what does the Bible tell us to do otherwise? It tells us to keep our thoughts on those things that are good. You're going to have to control your thought life. So thoughts are governed by observation, associations, and teachings. Guard against every evil that comes into the mind. Now, folks, remember, God calls doubt evil. So guard against every evil that comes into the mind. You cannot control whether a thought of doubt comes to your mind, but you don't have to entertain it. You can replace it with thinking the right thing. It's just as easy to think the right thing as it is to think the wrong thing, folks. You need to understand this, too, when it comes to, to uh, the way the devil operates. The devil will bring a thought of doubt to your mind and then tell you you're 
in unbelief. That's not true. Thoughts not put in word or action die unborn. That's why you can't let thoughts of doubt come out of your mouth. Thoughts not put in word or action die unborn. So what are we going to do instead? Meditate constantly on the scriptures that you found in step number one that promise you the things that you want from God. See yourself with the answer. Here's a real important point. Remember we looked at uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, where it says, Let the word not depart from before your eyes. What that means is see yourself with the answer. See yourself with the answer. Develop a mental picture, a mental image of you with the thing that you've asked God for. And don't let that picture get away from you. See yourself with the answer. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. I think a lot of times we make a mistake by praying for people too quickly. Because their idea is we're going to give God a shot. But God doesn't work on shots. God works through His Word. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 20, it says He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent His Word and healed them. Not He took a shot. So the first thing we ought to do is go to the Word and remind ourselves. We may already know, but we need to remind ourselves, what does the Word say about this? You spend a day or so reminding yourself of the Word, soaking yourself back in the Word and the promises that it makes to you, then you're in a position to pray. Then you can pray with confidence. Then you can pray knowing what God's will is. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Don't forget what you asked God for and hold on to it until the full answer has materialized. Now that brings us to step number four, what I want to talk to you about this morning. The, the rest has just kind of been a recap. But step number four is praise God for your answer. In your waking moments, think on the goodness and the greatness of God. Affirm consistently. You remember over in Mark chapter 9, the guy that brings his son to Jesus actually brings his son to Jesus, and Jesus is still coming back from the Mount of Transfiguration. And so uh, only cer- certain ones of the disciples are there, and they try to help him. They try to, to cast the devil out of this little boy, and, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't get him, get him healed. They couldn't get any relief for the boy at all. And so finally the father says to Jesus, Jesus is asking what's going on. The father explains the situation about his son. And uh, the guy says to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on me and help me. Jesus turns it around on him. Jesus says to him in Mark chapter 9, I think it's verse 23, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, folks, if you'll ask any crowd of Christians just about any place, unless they've been taught especially well, you'll get most everybody to agree with the scripture that says, all things with God, all things are possible. Man, everybody jumps up on that one. Oh, absolutely. Yes, all things are possible with God. But the same Bible says, all things are possible to him that believes. You can't get half the people to agree to that. Because now that puts responsibility on, the, on me as the individual. And most people don't want that. They just want God to do all the work. And I'll just sit back and just, you know, catch whatever he throws to me. But you need to confirm, you need to affirm consistently, continually, that all things are possible to you, me, the individual, as a believer. See, that's what the devil will tell you. The devil will tell you, this won't work. This is impossible. Well, that's okay. That's God's territory. Because all things are possible. Impossible things are possible to those that believe. Consistently affirm those things. Consistently, in your waking moments, think on the goodness and greatness of God and think continually, all things are possible unto me as a believer. 
Lift your heart to God continually in gratitude and increasing praise for what He has done and what He's doing for you now. Turn with me over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul is writing to a church that has a great deal of experience with him in trouble. Philippians, uh, the city of Philippi was the place in that uh, Acts chapter 16 describes where Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for getting the devil, casting the devil out of the little girl that told fortunes. Once she was delivered, she couldn't bring any money to her masters anymore, and so they incited a riot and, and uh, had Paul and J- uh, Silas thrown in the middle of jail. And so Paul, Paul and Silas, the Bible says in uh, uh, Acts chapter 16, I think it's about verse 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that everybody's prison door flew open. Everybody's chains fell off their arms. The the stocks that their feet were in, they fell off. In other words, everybody was set free, not just Paul and Silas. Everybody in the jail was set free and everybody just sits there waiting to see what's going to happen next. Well, this is the same group of people that Paul writes back to. They know of his experience. They know that he was thrown in jail. They know they heard about the earthquake. They heard about how he's released. Uh, the jailer took him home and, and, uh, and took them home and took care of their, their backs that had been beaten and were bloody and all that kind of stuff. Next morning, the, uh, the guy comes and, and uh, the magistrate comes and turns them loose and says, you know, could you guys leave town pretty soon? You know, we don't understand you. And, and so the city of Philippi, the, the church there at Philippi, they understand what's going on. And this is the people that Paul writes to. And notice that he says in verse 6, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. That means be anxious or don't fret about anything. Do you know worry is a sin? Worry is a sin. If you're worried about things, you're sinning. Now, the reason that I want to say it that way is because I want to get your attention on it. It's easy for us to say, well, you know, it's everybody's concerned about things. Now, quit making friends with sin. If you're worried, you're sinning. And you're not supposed to do that. So what are we supposed to do instead? He says, be anxious or be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious or fret about anything. But in everything, in everything, in other words, in whatever thing you might be tempted to worry about, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, what do you think he's talking about thanking God for? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why would he put thanksgiving in there? Well, back to the story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas prayed. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Now, everybody in trouble prays. Even people that say they don't believe in God or believe in prayer, everybody prays. They may not let you know, but everybody prays. Everybody gets in trouble. They look to help from some, look for help from somewhere. But the Bible didn't say they just prayed. Most Christians will stop right there to pray. A lot of Christians are willing to pray when they get in trouble. Oh, God, help me. But that's not what they did. They prayed and sang praises unto God. See, the singing praises unto God is just as important as the praying. Why? Because without step four, you're not going to get the answer. Now, what do you think Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God about in prison? Their backs were bleeding. Their feet and their their uh, hands and their feet were in chains and stocks. What would you have been praying about if that was your situation? I'd have been praying, Lord, get me out of here. A lot of Christians would have just stopped with, oh, Lord, this is so unfair. 
Well, you might be right, but that's not going to get you any help. A lot of people complain to God and they think they're praying. Well, they're talking to him, all right, but it doesn't do any good. Lord, this situation is just so unfair. Yeah, and? The Lord knows what you have need of before you ask him. You haven't asked him for anything if you're, if you're at that point. But Paul and Silas must have prayed for something because they prayed and sang praises unto God. What are they saying? They're saying, oh, God, we thank you so much because our backs are bleeding. We just love it when that happens. <laughs> Come on. Nobody would think that. What are they thanking God for? They've got to be thanking him for something that they've asked him for. Otherwise, they've got nothing to thank him for. What are they saying? Oh, we're just so glad to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. Really? Well, Jesus said we'd be persecuted. Yeah, he said, but don't be afraid. I've delivered you from persecution. You'll have tribulation. You'll have persecution in the world, but I've overcome the world. In other words, you come out and win. So what are they doing? They're praying for victory. They're praying to be set free. They're praying for God to get them out of there, for God to provide for them in some way or another. So what did they do? They added step number four to the steps for answered prayer. They thanked God for the answer. They praised him for the answer. They uh, prayed and sang praises unto God. So what does he tell them to do? In everything, don't worry, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now put yourself in the position of the church at Philippi. You were there. You've heard the stories. You heard Paul come out of prison and tell you what happened. It's been noised all over town. The the other prisoners that were in in the jail where the earthquake took place. It didn't say an earthquake hit town. It says the earthquake hit the jail. Besides that, you know as well as I do that earthquakes are not, natural earthquakes are not generally specific enough to knock chains and stocks off people's hands and feet. Everybody recognized that this was a supernatural event. Everybody recognized this was God that was, that was taking place. In my opinion, that's why the other prisoners didn't run out when the, jail, the, the doors opened and the chains fell off. They recognized Paul and Silas, these two people over here that prayed and sang praises unto God. We heard them do it. We heard them pray. We heard them pray to be set free. We heard them praise God because they were free by faith. Now all of a sudden the doors are open and everybody's chains and stocks are off their hands and feet. What would you have done if you were one of those prisoners? I'm going to see what they say next. I firmly believe that's the only reason everybody was still there. Now, you at the Church of Philippi, you've heard all of this. You've heard it talked about not only from Paul, not only from Silas, but you've heard it noised about all through the city. The jailers told the story. The other prisoners are telling the story. Man, this is rumored all over town. But rumored, reported, all over town. Everybody hears about that. So now Paul writes a letter back to you when you find yourself in trouble and he says, Don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Yeah, but there are really things, tough things out there that we have to worry about. Worrying won't help you. Folks, I'd be the first one to say that if worry provided any benefit to anybody, go right ahead and worry. But it never helps. Someone once said that worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but you never get anywhere. That's what worry is like. It keeps you busy. It occupies you. It takes you away from doing other things that you should be doing. But it never helps. Never helps you one little bit. So what is Paul and Silas telling you? What is Paul writing back to us and telling us? He's saying, don't be anxious or fretful about anything. Don't be careful about anything. Well, what are we going to do instead, Paul? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Don't forget, Paul is reminding you, don't forget to add thanksgiving to your prayer. 
Don't forget, you believed in step two. You believed that, you, that God heard and answered your prayer. So what are you going to do? Step three, you're going to keep your heart from doubt. Step four, you're going to praise God for the answer. You're going to praise God for the answer. There's a, there's a great story in, uh, in um, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You may be familiar with the story. If not, you might want to turn back and take a look at it. Because it tells about how the children of Israel were surrounded by five enemy armies. And it says, Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, at that time the kingdoms were divided. Israel was the northern kingdom, Judah is the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat is the good king. He's the, the honorable and, and uh, 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 good king of the southern kingdom, kingdom of Judah. And so he seeks God. He, he proclaims a fast. He says to everybody, you know, the, we're outnumbered. Man, there's no way we can defeat an army or five armies of this size, the, the group of armies that we've got. So, so we're going to need to find out what does God want us to do in this situation. It's good to find out the will of God. It's good to find God's direction when you're in trouble. So he says, we're going to have to, to, uh, to identify what God wants us to do. So he proclaimed a fast. And all, the, everybody fasted and everybody's seeking God. Everybody's looking to find out what is God telling us to do in this case. And now all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a certain man and he begins to prophesy. And he says, the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. He said, tomorrow, go down against your enemies at a certain place. The cliff of Ziz is where, where they were encamped. He said, you'll find them there at this certain place. Uh, God never tells you to run from your enemies. Face your enemies. Whatever it is, don't ever run from anything. Don't run from, from if, if you owe somebody, don't run from that. If you owe money, if, you, if, if your creditors are coming after you, don't run from them. Face your enemies and let God help you. So God says to him, he, uh, the, uh, the, the man prophesies by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, here's what to do. Go down against them. The battle is not yours. God will deliver them into your hands. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord. Man, that's something to get excited about. The battle's not mine. It's God's. God will do my fighting for me. So everybody gets happy. Man, everybody gets happy. We've heard from heaven. But then the next day comes. Everybody doesn't have the same great feelings that they had the day before. You wake up in the morning and your problem is still there. What are you going to do now? Well, Jehoshaphat gets everybody together and says, remember what was prophesied yesterday. Remember what the prophet told us. Remember what God said to us. And then it says, Jehoshaphat appointed singers and praisers to go out front. I guess he figured since God was going to do the fighting for them, no point in putting the, the SEAL team out front. Let's do something that will help us instead. Well, what's going to produce the greatest help? He put the singers and the praisers out front. He put the singers and the praisers out front. Folks, I want you to understand, here's a Bible principle. You need to put your singing and your praising out front in your life. If you're looking for God's help, if you're looking for God to honor His Word in your life, you need to put your singing and your praising out front. Thank you for your enthusiastic response. <laughs> It's absolutely the truth. It's the principle that we're supposed to follow. So they began to do that. It says they began to sing and to praise. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Now the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I think it's verse 20, it says, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. Then it tells us what happened. It tells us that all five of these enemy armies start fighting against one another, kill each other, so by the time Israel gets there, finishes their song and gets there, all they find is dead people and stuff to carry away. It says it took them three days to carry away the spoil of this battle. And they never swung one sword, shot one arrow, threw one rock, never did anything. Their battle was to praise God. Now, about a year ago, the Lord spoke to me about this. I had uh, 
Uh, I've taught this many, many times, and, and it, it should be taught many times. But the Lord spoke to me, and I was, uh, I was teaching, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, I was studying about something else really unrelated to this. But the Lord said something really specific to me, and he said, be careful how you teach that. Well, that's strange. Be careful how you teach the truth of the word. What do you mean, Lord? And then he said this, just as clear as a bell on the inside of me, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, if you're not careful, you can teach that in such a way that people who are in unbelief before will think, okay, that then is the key. I thought, well, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that some people will hear when they began to sing and to praise the Lord said ambushments. So even though they've been in unbelief, they haven't believed the word up to then, they think, all right, here's the magic bullet. Now all I have to do is praise God and then the answer will come. And he said, remember Abraham. Now while I'm talking, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. He said to me, remember Abraham. I thought, okay, Abraham. I know a lot of things about Abraham. What is it I'm supposed to remember about Abraham? He said, remember Abraham, and he was referring to Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, 20. He said, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then he said it again. He said it to me this way. He said, his giving me glory was because he was strong in faith. And I, I, I saw it. I saw what I had done. I saw that I had put a little bit too much emphasis on when they began to sing and to praise the Lord said ambushments. Because, folks, you could understand that if somebody ignored step one, two, and three, and they just thought, all I've got to do is praise God, then that'll be the answer. Not so. If you haven't found the Scriptures that promise you what you want from the Lord, if you haven't kept your heart from doubt and you're speaking words of doubt, and then just all of a sudden start praising God, it's not going to work for you. So praise in and of itself is not the magic bullet. But when praise comes as a result of you having chosen to speak what God's Word says, chosen to declare what the Word of God says about your situation, about what you prayed for, when that comes as a result of you choosing, not because there's no doubt in your mind, not because there's no thoughts of doubt that come against you, but because you've chosen to accept the Word of God and put the Word of God first place in your life, then praise becomes the ultimate answer. Someone once said that praise is the highest type of faith. When we thank God for the answer, even that which we can't yet see, just because His Word says it belongs to us, that's real faith in action. Come join us at Foothill Family Church. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. She said, uh, I saw the advertisement for healing school, so we came that night. And she said, I'm, I'd been diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. And she said, uh, uh, I came up to you after the service, and, and I was just sure that you were going to lay hands on me and pray for me when I told you what the situation was, and, and you didn't do it. Well, that sounds like me. She said, you sent me back to the bookstore to get some materials on healing. Well, that sounds like me too. And she said, I was really disappointed. I thought, oh my goodness, my chance to be healed is gone. She said, but I, I did what you said. I went back and I got the book that you told me to. And you had also referred me to the website and told me about some of the messages and different things that I could download and listen to and, and so forth. And she said, the Word of God has changed my life. She said, now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I understand what belongs to me. She said, I'm, I believe I received my healing. I'm standing in faith for my healing. And she said, and even though I don't go by what it looks like, my symptoms are starting to diminish. Well, why? Because she put the word first. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.